Hey, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond, and this is the show where we make you better at doing hard things. Today I'm chatting with Simone Allen Keller, who is the creator of Genius You. And Simone's background is in branding, where her job is to uncover the essence, the magic, the and the genius that enables organizations to not only stand out, but to also realize their potential. And Genius U was born when Simone figured out that the same thing actually applies to people. So Simone is now a genius finder, uh, looking for the brilliance in, in everybody. And she's often amazed at the incredible abilities that she sees in people that are just lying there dormant um, so she's got a really cool job of helping people bring these abilities to to life um, which is which is pretty epic and as well as being an expert in branding uh, genius you has come about as well as kind of a lived experience for Simone uh, of going through the the self-development and addressing challenges uh, that she's she's found for herself um, and the cool thing is is that just when she thinks she's finished with one challenge a new challenge pops up um, and that's something that's definitely true for me as well and I think that's something that we should all kind of aspire to live our lives that way uh, challenge following challenge following challenge and just get better and better and better and get closer to our potential uh, this is a really fascinating conversation as well in terms of going to some of the, as well as finding the brilliance, going to some of the dark places, the hard places that you need to go through to uncover that brilliance. Uh, and Simone's story is, is pretty cool in, in that regard. That's probably enough preamble from me. Uh, let's get into it. Thank you guys so much for getting uncomfortable with Simone and I today. Simone, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Chris. Nice to be here. Awesome. And Simone, I like to start off with people just getting a little bit of idea of, of who you are, where you come from. So where were you born? Where did you grow up? <laughs> so I was actually born in Dunedin um, and I was born into a traveling family. So as soon as we were born, we started moving up the country. So I didn't kind of have one destination. So I've lived in central Otago, Dunedin, Nelson, Wellington, and then Auckland. Um, and my dad was a social worker. So we moved with his work quite a bit. Um, so when we got most stable, we were actually living over in Half Moon Bay when dad was a, uh, he ran a children's health camp. So that was, um, I started working there at about the age of 13, I think, and um, used to feed the kids dinner every night. So they had about 72 kids that changed out every six weeks. So I guess I kind of consider myself a bit of a New Zealand citizen rather than belonging in one place. Mm, yeah, that, that's cool. I've, I've moved around New Zealand a little bit as well, and I think I, I feel, feel similarly with that as well, is that... Um, I've been in Wellington now for the last, oh, what, 12 or 13 years. So I, I definitely support the Hurricanes over any other rugby team, but I've got a foot in most camps anyway. Yeah. Um, 
We lived there actually um, when the kids were a bit younger. They started school there, so I moved back uh, for a while. So as an adult, I've lived in Auckland and Wellington. Um, I don't know. There's no rugby team I follow at the moment. So <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Do you remember any, any formative experiences when you were younger that have, have really been instrumental in putting you on the path that you're on now? Um, I think being brought up by my, you know, my dad, who was a social worker, it definitely started my, you know, being able to see that being obsessed with people, I guess, and particularly with, with young people, not that I, I work with them a lot at the moment, but um, I've always, that's always been my thing. So, you know, you give me sunsets or landscapes or animals and I'm not really that interested but people have always absolutely fascinated me. And, and I guess watching my father help people. Um, but I remember, um, I've got this great story when I was about nine and running up to a friend of mine, her, her mother, at a, when we were camping in Whangamataa and, and saying to her, you know, in my kind of breathless way, I've just seen the most magnificent or brilliant thing. And her, her kind of lowering herself down and saying to me, Simone, I'm saying this with great love, not to be rude, but you say that about a hundred times a day. <laughs> <laughs> and if I look at who I am today, I, you know, I am a brilliance. That I, just, I just still am see brilliance and I see it in invisible things. So that recognition, that wonderful story, and that recognition that I've always been the same. I've always seen brilliance in things. And now I spend my life and my career doing that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's kind of a nice memory to know it was always there. And even when I reflect back on it, I was constantly telling people, you know, as young as 13, what they were brilliant at. And then I was also pointing out their blind spots, which it stopped me from having good friendships. But that's what I was born to do. Um, so it's nice to see back that it was always who I was or am. Definitely. And I think that, I mean, if you can, if you're seeing these, these things multiple times a day, that's a, it's a great way to, to live, live your life. What's well, I think I'm, sorry. I, I think I'm quite lucky with my brilliance, you know, like it's quite an attractive brilliance <laughs> that mm. I just feel brilliant. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty fortunate. What in particular about people fascinates you? Um, I, I guess I like the complexity of them. Um, and I, I, like, I like their potential. So if I think about my purpose um, as, an, as an individual, it's kind of, if I could put it in it's a bit of a crude way, it sounds like, um, um, you know, it's about maximum impact. You know, it's about how far can I actually take this? And with people, you can flip them from being, you know, quite ordinary to brilliant. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who it is. It's the same thing for everybody. So it's like there's, there's such a different way that we can be operating. And I love the fact that it's when it's not, it's a default setting, it's quite average. And when it's a, a brilliant setting, it's just extremely amazing. So I think it sits with my purpose. Um, I think, you know, obviously people radiate love. And so that's, um, you know, it's so attractive to be around. Um, so I don't know. I've just never got anything else apart from people. Mm, mm. No, I, I, I see that. I see the fascination with them. Um, we're pretty interesting creatures. <laughs> with, um, with seeing the brilliance in people and also the blind spots 
um, from an early age. Where did that Where did that take you to begin with? Like, how did you um, How did you start to, to practice that? So I went into the. Um, I, I mean, I can remember counselling people from such a young age, and it didn't matter if that person was an adult or a child, you know, a, a child, or it didn't matter. I can just remember that practice. But then I became, um, a, I went into branding, which actually is a family business. So all of us do it in some way or another. Um, and what that branding, if you, if you distill it down, is, is, about, is about brilliance. You know, it's about figuring out what an organization is brilliant at and making sure that that's at the forefront of everything they do. So that practice, um, that I've been doing for 25 years started me on that on this journey and um, about I would say about nine years ago um, I had my first agency and that's when I actually crafted the methodology that I use for branding and it's about building brands that are based on purpose and, 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 and brilliance and once I cracked that I kind of wanted to revolutionize branding because I don't think a lot of the time it's done very well and what I recognized, not, not immediately, but after a while, is that to do branding incredibly well, then you have to work people incredibly well. So that's when I started developing Genius U, um, because branding is about organizations and Genius U is about individuals. So that's how that kind of tied together. So if you look back, it's like I was on kind of trajectory towards my destiny from a very young, from a very young age, um, and I couldn't get off it. <laughs> It's good. I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you didn't get off it because otherwise we probably wouldn't be having this conversation today. Yeah. Um, but when you're tell tell me more about Genius U. So I mean, I I know that's what you do at the moment, and I know it's been a it's been a reasonably uh, long, hardworking journey to get to this point. But when did you? When did the idea first in into your head and kind of can you tell me that like the genesis story of it yeah um well i lost my business six years ago and you know if i look at it now i can see why um absolutely and totally six years ago i couldn't see at all why apart from blaming it probably on my business partner at the time um what what i recognized when i kind of went i stripped back and i lost this business which was a big part of my identity Part of the creation of that, of the, the success of that business was I'd applied a methodology which I now call two times and it's my problem. And what that did was every single time there was a common theme of a problem that happened, I would deep dive into it and I would work out why. And I would work at a real core level and I would add that to what we were as a business. And what it meant was the business just got stronger and stronger and better and better. And, and we could, you know, like it used to take two to three months to sell or get a yes or a no for branding, whilst I could walk in, show our work and get a yes straight away in, in any boardroom, which was quite amazing. Um, but what I recognized when I lost the business is I'd been applying, you know, two times and it's my problem to business, but I'd never applied it to me personally. Um, so it correlated with me going, well, if I can do this for businesses, which is distill what I call the intangible part, then I could definitely do the same for people. So I wanted to make, I mean, I guess this is a massive driver of mine is to take people to their, to how, however brilliant they can possibly be. 
And so I'd been doing it for businesses, then I worked out I can do it for people. But I also recognized that I was creating a mess in my own life. And if I didn't change things, then I was just going to replicate what I'd, what I'd just done with the business. And so I wanted to start working on me, um, which was a big shift. And so Genius U is about a program that allows you to, to understand how to use your invisible parts. And I, at the beginning of it, I had no idea. And so slowly by slowly, I just started creating it. And so every kind of six months was a different thing that I was looking at, whether it was how to self-observe or how to use emotions or how to develop core beliefs. It started off in the same way that I did branding and it turned into something much, much bigger than I ever expected. I don't know if I would have done it if I knew how big it was going to be. <laughs> but yeah, that's how it's like I had to, I had to fix myself. And I always believed that people were incredible and now I've got a process to take from there. Awesome. And I want to talk more about the process, but one, I mean, one of the questions that, uh, that I jotted down was, I mean, how, when did you start to understand how hard it was going to be going through this process? And I mean, you, you've kind of answered it in that it was part way in. Um, and often when we start off with uh, this kind of depth of, of self exploration and, and learning about ourselves and, uh, and, and trying to change things that it is, it seems like such a hard task to begin with. Did you run into those problems as well? I, I think I was naive. I think that, I think that because I've kept on finding something like I've kept on finding bits that I could actually work out how to make work better that it's excited me all the time. So I've had this weird level of excitement. It's only when I reflect back that I actually get that, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, that I did that. Like, I think I've, or, you know, even though I've never wanted to, like it's been a trajectory I couldn't get off. Um, you know, there's, it's been an absolute compulsion. I don't, I don't think I ever knew, like, I, I, yeah, it's only when I look back that I go, oh gosh, that was crazy. That was, yeah. So I didn't even feel that way on the way through because I just didn't know how big it was. It was. Um, I was always, I think that the bravery that I needed was the fact that I could own, um, that I had the right to do this. That was, that was something that I battled with the whole time. Like, who am I to say I can do this? Um, and I guess how I look at it now is that I'm a strategist and Genius U is a product of how I do strategy, which is to be able to go, this is where I want to go. I wanted to be whole and I wanted to be healthy and I wanted to be brilliant. And I wanted to make sure that I was guiding my children through a different way of doing life than I defaulted to. Um, and I found a way to do that using what I'm brilliant at, which is being able to look at something and go, what is the best way to be doing this? Um, so I, 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 I think while I was in it, I had no idea um, how, how hard it was going to be. So I had the kind of, um, I guess, break of naivety or the, 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 you know, I don't know the word for it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's super important when you have any any undertaking that is going to be a, it's, it's a long-term one and it's going to require a lot of work is that we don't know how 
challenging it's going to be before we start, which is which is good because if we did, then potentially we would have harder jobs starting. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a um, it's a protection in a way that you don't know how how big it's going to be. And and I was yeah, I was beautifully naive, but I also had massive bravado, you know, in terms of. I can do this. Like at different points when I of creating Genius You, I was I just thought that it would be easy to do the next step in terms of turning it into something I could sell. That was that was so hard in itself because to sell something you have to get over, you know, the fear of rejection, the fear of fraudulence, the fear of so many different things. So learning how to sell it was nearly harder than learning how to create it. Hmm. Through this this process, I th- you mentioned that it took about six or seven years to work through um, the creation process with Genius You. Did you see what it would become right from the start or yeah. was that something that kind of formulated as you went? I, I think that the, the vision was always there in terms of, I remember saying to my sister, my sister-in-law told me that you know, we've, when I was 23, that I told her I was going to create this program. And when I started working on it, it was, I was 38. Um, You know, that was, I'm 44. So I always knew I was going to do this. But when I started, I thought that the first part, the first module was going to be enough. You know, I thought if I just distill people's brilliance, then they're going to be able to step into it. Um, and then I, you know, I didn't know that core beliefs and, and how they, how, what they believed in was going to stand in their way. So then I had to find out a solution for that. And then I didn't know people were trapped by their emotions. So I had to find a solution for that. So I think one of the reasons that Genius Use so effective is that I'm not coming from any kind of um, discipline. It's me, it's a person trying to work out how to be a person in the best way possible. So I, th- every single module I created, I thought that was enough. And then I'd find another problem or another limitation or another restriction. And then I'd deep dive into that using myself as the number one guinea pig. And so, yeah, I had had no idea. And, and last year I worked out, you know, that when we operate, when we don't know how to use ourselves, we're actually not operating in a state of love, which I think is our natural, um, you know, our nature. We're operating in a state of trauma. So the last module that I've been creating is all about being able to resolve trauma and, you know, that, that, that was an adventure in itself. And it was, it's been so exciting because basically you're living life now resolving trauma. And behind every trauma is just more excitement. So that was a long-winded answer. Mm, I like it, though. I like that answer. Um, and, and I think that's the, that's the beauty of life is that whenever you think that you've got something figured out and you've, you've put in the hard work, then ideally along comes another problem and another another thing for you to solve and another thing that, that you can work on. And I've been having this conversation with a few people or a, a form of this conversation with a few people lately is that one of the, the most exciting things about life is the, is the pursuit and it's the, the solving of problems and the, the continual working and striving that it's not the destination. It's no, and I think that's a, that's a big problem is we're constantly after an outcome that we think is going to make us feel, you know, happiness or success or whatever it is. But I think that's the, yeah, like you said, it's the wrong way to be looking at it. Um, 
as, as I'm re, as I'm just you know in research phase of something, I always call it gum boots. You know, it doesn't feel good. It always feels a bit heavy and cumbersome and all that. You know, I'm deep diving into something that I haven't looked at before, and and I you know it's it's a tough phase. And then you move into what I call um, black boots. You know, it's like you've got your black boots on. They're not flash, but they're <laughs> but you you're kind of working out how something works. And then you move into the next phase, which I'm just like it's like flying. It feels amazing. Um, and I think every single round of that, you get, you get used to the process um, because there's layers and complexities and all that kind of stuff chucked in. But um, I'm, enjoy I, I'm able to look at the gumboots phase and go, you know what, I know where I'm at and I know I'll come out of it. So it's fine that I'm here because on the other side of it, I can fly for a while. Yeah, I, I like that. There's a very Kiwi way to to look at it and um yeah i think i'm going to use that one actually okay, you don't mind um <laughs> and i mean you've got to this point now by putting in a lot of work but when you were starting out how did you deal with that gumboot phase because i imagine like especially when putting in the self work there's a lot more wrapped up in that when compared to when you're starting off in a business yeah, I think that's a really, that's a good point. Like every time I went into gumboots in the old days, I thought I'd failed. You know, I thought the program wasn't working. Because, you know, when, when, when everything felt good, it was like, oh, the program works. But every time I felt bad and, you know, I was like, oh, I didn't see it as a new phase. I saw it as as failure because that's kind of what we how we do things as we look at we we put everything into a bad and a good um, category especially our emotions rather than being able to see um that this is just a new discovery um i remember when one of the modules that i've created is on the beautiful word shame and oh i can tell you that was the grossest six weeks ever investigating my own shame um, but now I see shame as, as, as an interesting thing that can be used in a really amazing way. You can use it as a moral guide, not, not use it to, to throw or, or to discipline or to the way that it's used now, but it's, you know, it's got something quite incredible about it. When you hit it, um, you know that this is on you or off you. Um, but when I was doing it, it was awful. And now I've got the, you know, the perspective to be able to see, I've done this enough times to be able to see that this is just a phase. And I can actually be quite a pleasant person while I'm in gumboots, where I know a while ago I couldn't. Um, you know, you wouldn't want to be married to me. Um, so I think, you know, I think it's, it's really fantastic to have other people there to give you context, but I didn't. You know, I did very much, I, went, I did this process with other people but a majority of it by myself so it was it was that was probably the hardest bit feeling like when things were harder that i was actually that it was failing rather than it was just part of the process mm. and what kept you going at that point when you felt that it was failing yeah that's the weird thing and i kind of relate this to what happens when you get on your destiny is it just i was just compelled I never once turned around and said I'd quit. You know, it, it was weird. Um, it was just, this is, things kept on opening up and making sense and I, I could kind of, and I guess this is part of my skills is being able to 
take a really complex looking puzzle and being able to put it together so it works well, that just as I was kind of getting to that desperate phase, it would all fall into place. And so I guess there's something greater that I'm working with. And I don't assume to understand that greater thing, whether it be God or the universe or whatever it may be. But I think that I had a helping hand. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, and that's a, I think that's a whole other podcast talking around that. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm putting a full stop there. <laughs> yeah, good, good. We'll underline that and we'll, we'll move, move on. Um, one thing that was, was fascinating for me, Simone, was um, something that you wrote about uh, resetting our operating systems. That, um, and, and often our operating system is, is something that's just developed over time and we almost, we almost kind of just get by on autopilot with it. But actually we can reset it, we can switch that up to, to change and, um, and to step into to kind of or to step towards our potential as, as human beings. Um, how does, how does Genius You and, and what you've created, how does it reset those operating systems? So it kind of surprises me to look back on it, but um, I, first of all, I didn't know we had an operating system as I was creating this. And at some point I worked out that we do, we have a default setting. Um, and I worked out that how to, how to map it out. So first of all, what it looked like, which was quite phenomenal anyway, but then also how to map it so I understood it. Um, how, you know, I use the same process I use in branding. Um, if you look at, there's so much work that we're doing, whether we go to a, a therapist or a counselor or whatever, and it's all done in silos. So how we're interacting with whatever practitioner we're interacting with, it's just one person's version or view of you. So I do what I call a 360 on someone. So I interview five people that know them really well in different parts of their life, which gives me a view of them that, you know, quite often they've never been seen for before, from before. And what I then do is I map out what I call their unconscious operating system. So what that does is it gives somebody a, a starting point for being able to see themselves. Um, because who you are at any given point or how you're operating at given, any given point is dependent on your emotional um, state and your response to whatever's going on. What this thing does is it, it maps it out, makes it very, very clear. And though it's a little bit shocking at first because you basically can see that you're a bit of a ping pong ball, um, <laughs> what you're able to do is go, oh my goodness. I can now see that I'm in this state at the moment caused by this thing and I have when I understand it and this is a big thing I trade on deep understanding so I believe that uh, that change is inevitable when you understand it's like going from you know the world is flat to the world is round you never go back once you understand something deeply and I don't believe we, we, we work at, a, at a, a depth where we do understand ourselves. So that's what I'm working towards all the time is getting people to understand themselves at the deepest perspective they possibly can. So then change is inevitable rather than hard. Um, so if they're stuck, my belief is they're not, they're not understanding deep enough. So that's my job is to take them there. And, and what I see constantly is this ability to, to flip once that understanding is reached. 
is the is the understanding that people develop is does that tend to be uh, kind of a reasonably progressive process or is this something that just is like a, a switch that flicks on? Uh, it's a bit of both actually. I think you I think you flip the switch. I only were when I the, this when the switch flipped for me, it flipped, yeah, when when it just suddenly was like, oh my goodness, I can see myself. I can I can actually I'm aware that I'm more, you know, that I'm not, I'm not unconscious anymore. I can actually see this totally different perspective. So I think these moments of where of Eureka or penny dropping or whatever it may be. And, and when you see your unconscious operating system, I think that's a massive um, turning point. But then I think it's progressive. You know, a client said to me the other day, she reads, reread something I'd written two years ago and she said, oh, I just get it now. <laughs> and so there's there's bits of both there's progressive in there and there's also just those moments of epiphanies where you can't you can't go back mm, and i think like those often those epiphany moments come after a period of progress as well is that you're 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 working on on something in this case yourself and that you've put in enough work and you've gained enough knowledge and enough skills so that when those epiphany moments come, the, the straw that broke the, breaks the camel's back is that it's, it, it, they're not always, sometimes they are massive, massive moments where everything just becomes revealed, but sometimes they're just a little thing. They're a question asked a certain way or a sentence that you, you read that you've, you've read before, but you're just at that point where you have enough, enough knowledge and enough understanding that that just opens things up for you. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it, I call that a eureka moment. And you know, if you know the story of Archimedes, it's, it all makes sense, but it's like, Oh yeah, I think there's, we ha we can have constant ones of those when you know I've been thinking about consciousness and how we talk about it and if we look at it like um, you know the journey of self-discovery or self-mastery or whatever we want to call it and then there's all these tools that we can add to the mix um, and I think yeah every single tool gives you a different way of looking at yourself and life and and different tools suit different people and you know like Know, some people need to have that deep connection with nature which I really understand that brings them to themselves and you know every, everybody's different which is really exciting um, but I, I think yeah I think it's constant I don't think I'll ever get off this off this journey I just don't know what will happen in a year that's <laughs> <I might laughs> all right I'm sure that you'll have new problems that you that you need to solve and uh then hopefully they just come into uh, come in as new categories in Genius U as well. I, I agree. I think uh, you know the last six years have been spent on being a you know a person, and I think you know now it's you know you're looking at let's let's tailor that for the parent market. Let's tailor it for leadership. Let's tailor it for young people, and I think that's a different challenge in itself, which I'm really excited about. Mm, mm. Um. And one thing for, for people out starting out on a, on a journey of kind of self-understanding um, and, and switching their operating systems, there's often the, and I, and I know you've written about this as well, is there's the concern about how we think that the world sees us, mm. which is often challenging 
which often challenges ourselves to even start that process. What are your yeah. thoughts around how to how to get over that hurdle and get over well, that? Well, un- unfortunately, most of us wait till it's a bit dire. Um, it, you know, if I look at when I started this journey, it was when it was awful. Um, so it's kind of like you've got two negatives. First of all, you've got the fear of actually going and, and, and seeing yourself. Um, and then you've got whatever kind of state you're actually looking at, at it from in that perspective. So quite often my clients have gone, I've hit rock bottom. Um, I really hope that, you know, future generations it will, will be different. And I look at the way I raised my children. It's like not to look at these things with shame or, um, you know, hesitancy, but to be able to be brave enough to deep dive in. And I guess I've got used to it now. But I, I, I'm trying to, I try to remain, um, uh, you know, with understanding and empathy to people that just start out. The reality is every single one of us, when we've been in our own mind for as long as we, we have, thinks that something's deeply wrong with us. That's the conclusion that we come to. So to do any form of self-discovery, we have to be brave enough to overcome that. I call it untruths. They're not true because we're incredible creatures. Um, but we have to, but, you know, those are the conclusions that we come to and we have to overcome them. If we don't overcome those things, so I look at my greatest untruth is about worthlessness. That's the conclusion that I came to in my own mind. I have to spend the rest of my life and disproving that <laughs> because I've thought it for so very, very long. Um, what happens if we don't? We're constantly um, compensating for it. I love it when a person steps into this journey of being able to see that they're not true and and recognize that they can flip these things. It's a kind of a worldwide movement in the end where we recognize that we've been trading on untruths and, and compensating and trying to protect from them. Imagine if we don't need to. Um, and so I think one person, look, if I look at my family and my community, just one person starting on this journey is enough for everybody. It's so exciting. Um, you, you know, this is the language that we speak in now of, you know, your untruth has been hit or um, your, that's your defense playing out. Or, and it's not done with, it's done with openness now because there's a level of acceptance. But I think that people are, you know, at some point they'll want to step into it. And depending on their makeup and, I mean, gosh, my beautiful mother taught me not to ever show anything that wasn't perfect, which basically meant I had to put a bag on my head. But that's how we were taught, is to hide these things rather than bring them forth. Now, I want to take things that are are hidden, are in blind spots, and I want to put a light on them and, and show people that it's just our mind not working as well as it should. Bravery. Bravery is the key. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, even if you're not ready to to kind of start on that exploratory process yourself just yet, then listening to, to conversations or listening to, to other people that have been through it is actually quite really helpful. So hopefully this conversation is helping a few people to start with. But also it's it's just acknowledging that yeah, while you while you feel uh, worthless or feel that you you have something that you need to prove or feel that you're you're a bad person, that that's not that's not just unique to you. That there are 
this is kind of a, a state that most humans are, are in is that they have these, these negative beliefs about themselves and hearing stories and, um, and watching, watching videos and reading stuff about um, how people have, have worked through this and have actually changed is, is often a nice trigger to start that if, if people aren't ready to ask themselves the, the questions that sort of probe into the deepest, darkest areas of themselves just yet, that reading about someone else that did it is, uh, is a nice way to dip your toes in the water. And I think, I think um, in, the prof- you know, in the personal development space, you know, we, it, it goes a little bit back to what I was talking about is every time I felt awful, I thought that I was failing. And so what we're doing in the personal development space is we're putting this big kind of mask on of, you know, of trying to look amazing all the time. Um, when that means that to other people, it looks unreachable. And I think one of the reasons that my clients like working with me is that I show them my gumboot stages. Uh, that I show that it's a normal part of the process, that I reveal my untruths. So I talk about my family. I talk about my poor husband, Gary, <laughs> who agrees to this, by the way. But, you know, we, we've, got, we've always got interesting parts that we're working through. And I think it makes it accessible. It make, instead of, you know, some guru on a stage, it's actually, you know, I'm a person, I'm a person that's figuring out how to be a person. And, yeah, there's different parts than I've, I've kind of clocked now. But there'll always be another layer that I'm working through. Um, and you're right, this is commonality. When our minds aren't guided, when it, and we're not taught how to use them, which we're not, um, the way that we need to, they end up concluding some pretty horrible things about ourselves. That's, that's, that's the reality of it. When we learn how to use our minds, it's a totally different, exciting, you know, I look forward to the day where we start learning how to use our minds before we, you know, before we learn to read. It's crazy that it's not done this way around. Um, and it, it causes so much, so much hardship. Um, you know, I look at working with youth, they need to be plopped in with all the time or they create terrible ways of thinking about themselves. You know, I've got this little story that up to the age of 25, which is when I met my first husband, is I used to sleep with the light on, not, not because I was um, afraid of the dark, but because I was afraid of my own thinking. And it's a very dangerous thing when it's not guided. Um, and so, yeah, the first plunge is a little bit is a little bit hard because it's reversing the way that we've tried to protect the world from seeing us in a particular way. But once we get used to it, it's actually more natural way to be. So it, it's not hard to flip to this way of being. Mm. And I think, I mean, it's it's a, still a consistent practice that you need to work on when you're when you are working through it. And I mean, I've been, I've been working on retraining my retraining my brain for a little while now, but yesterday I, I still had a day where I was, uh, there was a lot of negative, there was a lot of negative self-talk that was, was going on. Um, and I could recognize it, uh, and I could put in some strategies that, uh, so that I could try and, uh, get out of it. But, it was still something that, that popped up that I needed to, that I needed to work on. And uh, there's a bit of residual stuff there today as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that's, that's, that's massive, but the, the, you know, the difference is being able to find the core of that. So mm. I, 
I don't mind the new stuff. I just don't want the old stuff, like the stuff that I've been battling with for, for a long time, because that's when it gets tiring, you know? And, and, and so what I like about Genius Hue is it's like, what's, it's always the new battle. Let's resolve the old stuff. Um, because we're going to be, if we don't resolve things properly, they're just going to trigger again and again and again. So, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons why I think I've got so much energy in this area is because there's, there's, a, there's constantly a new battle <laughs> to overcome rather than the same old crap going over and over again, um, which means it's exciting. So what I'm battling today or this week or whatever it may be, um, you know, is different from, from last month. But I think what we've got to remember is every time there's a new battle, our awareness drops at first because it's old stuff that's coming up and, and with any kind of trauma or threat or whatever it is, it reduces our perspective. And that's when it gets hard and that's when the negative talk gets out of control, etc. But I, I mean, I've got a bit of a network of help now. So I can just say, I'm in gumboots and send me love, would you? <laughs> Which helps. It helps massively. And, and I think even the way that we have developed the practitioner model with Genius U is there's, you know, there's not an hour session and then you're free to go. You've got constant support going through that process. So when you are having a hard day, you've got someone there backing you up um, because that's when we need the love of other people and the perspective. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really helpful thing. And I mean, having that support network there is, is massive and that, that support that you can call on. And again, that, that tends, well, I, I've found for me that tends to be a pro process to, to build that up um, to the point where we're like you, you can, you can send a message out and, uh, and get that support now, which is, which is awesome. But it is, uh, for me at least, it, it has been a slow process to, to get to the point where I can do that as well. Wow, Chris, you can always send me a message. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I will. I will from now on. Um. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I mean, you know, I, I didn't have that at the beginning and it was very lonely. And I think um, it was, it, it took probably three years before I started finding that and, and working out how it worked. Um, and I think now I've got a massive one and I'm so, so lucky and I kind of drill into what the problem is that I'm experiencing and going, oh, who's the right person to support me through this? Um, and, and it doesn't mean it takes a lot of time, but it always works out that I get, I choose the person that's going to give me just that brilliant insight that I, that I need. Um, and, but you have to, to, to get that, you have to trust a lot. You know, and I, if I look at my journey at the beginning, gosh, my trust was really broken. Mm. How did you, other than other than time and putting in the work, was there any any other ways that you worked on building trust? Yeah. See, I'm. I, you know, I was thinking about belief today. Belief isn't something that just happens. You know, you can't just say to your mind, believe you actually have to make, you know, behaviors. You have to create behaviors to, to build these things. And for me, trust was about trusting myself. Um, and that was, that was a real, real journey for me um, because 
I think my trust had been really badly broken. So it hadn't, it's not like I had started this process um, with, you know, depleted trust. I had started this process with very, very broken trust. And I think the big thing with me is learning how to trust myself, learning how to trust my word, my commitment, um, you know, that I was going to be able to back myself in lots of different ways, that I was able to discern people and where they were to be able to trust them, um, to work out how to get rid of habits that I would do or defaults that I would kind of pursue because I didn't understand um, what I, you know, why I was doing things in particular ways. So I don't, I don't think that you can just say, hey, trust more. And, and I think you actively have to create a practice for it, just like you have to create a practice for worth. So one of the things I do is I break up love um, and to make it tangible into worth, trust, and belief. And I teach my clients to be building each one of those elements. Um, so I look at trust as being harnessing your inner voice. You know, if your inner voice is, is awful for you, how can you ever trust yourself? And, you know, so it's not just about trusting others. It's about making sure that that part of you works. You know, you might have a desire, but in actual fact, that, that inner voice of yours is, is not making that easy for you. So developing trust in that way is really important, but also belief. Like, how do you actively build belief? You know, and that sometimes that's about focus. Like if you're putting, you know, 10 minutes a day into yourself and the rest of it to everybody else, what are you saying about how much you believe in yourself? So, and worth is about, to me, is about self-expression. So making sure that you're um, on your destiny and you're, you know, one of the things I've discovered is that I'm actually a fantastic bragger. <laughs> I love to share stories. And I think that side of me, that part of that self-expression got quashed because um, bragging doesn't seem very desirable in, in my family. But owning that and bringing that back was, a, was really important. Um, and I try and guise it. So I try and put it in a, a, you know, a frame that it's not too awful to, or it's digestible to other people. But your self-expression is just so, so critical. Um, and I, I like to brag. I like to tell stories about fantastic, which is great for genius youth. Um, and probably brag is the wrong word because it's got negative components to it. But long story short, you have to be actively working out how to build trust, how to build belief, how to build self-expression. Not just think about it, but do it. Mm, yeah, they're all, they're all practices. And I'm sure you can brand bragging in a different way, actually, Simone, and uh, to, to have some more maybe positive connotations with it. Yeah, no, you're, you're dead right. It's, you know, telling you stories. It's, it's celebrating your achievements. Yeah. I, I know that, um, I mean, this is, a, this is a, a process for you, but what's the, what's the vision with Genius You? What, what would you like to see happen with it? Uh, I want it to be accessible to everyone. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Genius U is the only process that works in the world at all. You know, everybody has got a different process and a different, you know, but I think the methodology or the, you know, what Genius U is achieving should be accessible in some guise or another to every human being. Um, so, uh, you know, if, if there's a better product or a better program that comes along, I'm in. But what, but what this does is it allows people to understand themselves and therefore best, be the best people they can possibly be 
which means that you're going to be manifesting a whole lot of different in the world. So how am I going to make that accessible to, to businesses? How am I going to make that accessible to much wider reach of people than what I'm currently doing? So at the moment, I'm working with individuals and a few groups and in a few kind of businesses. And, I, you know, I, it's amazing. But at the moment, it's too, way too connected with me. And so I need to work out how to scale it. And I have this belief that, and, and I'm seeing it happen already, that different people come along that are fascinated and interested in working with it, and now bring their own genius with them. My, my brilliance is content creation. You know, this is what I've been doing. But there'll be someone that will be brilliant at distribution, and there'll be someone that will be brilliant at leading this, and there'll be someone that will be brilliant at, at you know, the operational side of it. And I'm excited about that. So it's a little bit like that movie, you know, build it and they'll come. Um, that's what, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I would love to see a program accessible to every single person where they learn how to be their utmost. It's a cool vision. It's a very cool vision. Simone, I have some questions that I like to ask everyone before we, we tie things off. The first is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did, and why was that uncomfortable for you? Uh, God, I'm a, a bit of a, I'm doing uncomfortable all the time now. Um, what was the last one? It doesn't have um, to be I think, right last. Yeah, I, I think um, I find, sometimes I find showing people what, they need to see really hard because I guess I am sitting there knowing the uncomfortable that they're going to feel. Um, so, you know, when I do any strategy, a, a big part of it, and what I try and do is I use, um, and you know, I use understanding why this has happened to kind of balm things a little bit. But yeah, I, I think, you know, I had to tell some people some, um, and stuff that cost their business a lot of money and time and brilliance and I, I find that hard because and I make sure I ask permission to do that because I know that it's going to hurt um, so yeah I and I hope I'm always like that I hope I never become like a doctor that loses empathy with, with their audience um, and, and actually really empathise that the news I'm going to deliver whilst I'll give a solution it's going to be a bit hard to digest at first I always feel that and it makes me feel very uncomfortable. But I believe it's for the best and I do it anyway. Mm. Mm. What's, the, what's the next uncomfortable thing for you and uh, why is that uncomfortable? Um, I'm learning how to self, I'm learning how to get good at self-expression. Um, that's a big thing for me. I mean, you know, I, it doesn't, it hasn't come naturally to me in terms of, it used to, I used to have a lot of bravado and I used that bravado to express. And um, as I was going through this process of, you know, flipping out of this operating system, I lost my bravado and I actually lost my ability to do public speaking. Um, and I had to kind of learn that back again, which was quite an interesting process. But yeah, expressing and not hiding. You know, I've taken six years to create this and part of that has been really important that I've been quite, you know, mad scientist about it. Um, but now it's time to come out of whatever I'm hiding behind and actually get, get on a stage a bit. And yeah, that, that's going to take another leap of bravery uh, to go, yeah, I'm, 
I've done something great and I want to tell the world about it as she gulps. <laughs> awesome. Um, other than what we've talked about already, do you have any other strategies that you use to approach uncomfortable situations? Um, I think always showing the benefit, like Genius U was called Genius U because I believe that people are brilliant and they all have an element. Like I think Genius U is my greatest gift to the world and I think everybody has that within them in their own way. I think being able to trade and develop and get past uncomfortable using your brilliance makes, it makes the journey a whole heap more digestible because you're applying the thing that, you know, that you're incredible at and compelled to do. Um, so I think number one is finding out how something can be done better and then applying your way of doing it. And that's what this, this program is all about. Like, you know, my husband's, he's a joyous person. And so if he's actually looking for, you know, a strategy to be able to achieve something he wants, putting joy into the mix, then it's going to be a heck of a lot more fun to be able to do it. So learning how to, to capture or harness what your greatness is and using that as the kind of ca uh, the, the catalyst to be able to um, spring through uncomfortable is definitely not that it's easy at the beginning, but it's definitely makes it a lot more, um, a lot more fun rather than mm. revolting. Yeah, that's a, that's a great strategy actually. Um, Simone, a couple more questions for you, but I just want to take a moment to say thank you so much for spending some time with me today. And also thank you for helping people uncover their brilliance and, and reset, reset themselves so that they can, of move towards uh work towards their potential as as a human being it's uh it's awesome to to see my my pleasure and and you know i i take that thanks um but the reality is i couldn't i can't do anything else <laughs> i mean no, not saying i can't work in any other field or anything but yeah this is what this is what i was born to do so um yeah it's it's a lot of fun for me Simone, if people want to find out more about you and want to find out more about Genius U, how do they do that? Where do they go? Uh, so we've got a website, so geniusu.co.nz. Um, um, but I think the big thing at the moment is, you know, Genius U is a bit hard to understand at first. So don't, don't be afraid to ring and, and just have a chat. Um, you know, I, I normally do an hour kind of, or, you know, a conversation with a person at least. Um, so they can start on their own journey of self-discovery. It doesn't matter if they're going to jump into Genius U or it's something else. Um, but yeah, this is what I love doing. So just get in touch. Um, Facebook and is kind of the social media presence we've got at the moment. There's lots of stories constantly, or not constantly, but more constantly. Now I'm overcoming this whole self-expression thing, going up all the time. Um, and yeah, just reaching out and recognizing that being brave, I mean, brave, bravery is is incredibly exciting and i think if people learn how to do it and the thing with bravery you only need to do it for a couple of minutes and then you're in a different a different level mm, i completely agree simon do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week uh learn how to and i'm i'm pretty sure chris you you know you know how to do this but i think the beginning point for everyone is learning how to self-observe 
learning how to use this incredible skill that we've got in a different way. Like if we don't learn how to observe ourselves more often than not, we're using this skill in a default way for the purpose of judging ourselves and judging others. So whatever you do, I think you know the number one challenge, the beginning point, is learning how to do this thing. Um, you know, you can you can contact me to I'll, I'll help you through a methodology. But I think that's the, that's the big challenge is if everybody in the world started to to understand how to use this wonderful skill, uh, would be a pretty different world right now. So that's my challenge. Mm. I completely agree, Simone. Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. Uh, it, was, it was pretty fun. Thanks, Chris. Team, I hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, it was a lot of fun chatting with Simone and I took a lot away from it. Uh, I hope you guys did too. A couple of quick things before you go. Um, thank you so much to, to Jyland for your awesome editing skills, mate. Thank you to my brother, Jeremy Desmond, for the amazing theme music. Thank you guys for spending the time having a listen to us today. Uh, if any of you are interested in some help getting out of your comfort zone, taking on a, a challenge and kind of working through some of the, the hard stuff that's associated with that, uh, I'm doing some coaching with people at the moment um, in a one-month block or a three-month block, uh, depending on, on what your needs are. Uh, pop me a message send me an email uncomfortableisokay at gmail.com or reach out on on one of the social media platforms uh, let me know happy to have a bit of a chat with you and hear about what your challenge is and see if i can help you out hope you have all have a great week and we'll catch you again on the weekend for this week's mini episode thanks for getting uncomfortable with us today